I think we're gonna have to shorten this intro. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think we're gonna have to shorten. I want to talk. Over yeah, it you get so fed much. up. I really want to talk over it. Maybe I'm just a kid inside or something like that. But I really, really want to talk over it. <laughs> like a Saturday uh, morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to talk over it. But we are finally. I mean, finally back. We're here every week, so it's like yeah, we're, we're back. back. We're back to doing what we always do every week. Two belts podcast. <laughs> myself, Jamil, and Mills, Carlos, and um. First thing off the bat, we're gonna because we we do have a guest. And we mm-hmm. want to get to the guest. Um, first thing off the bat, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection of F that we saw last week. Yeah, um, it was like it was like the room smelled of like shame and virginity. It was so re- it was really really nerdy in that theater. <laughs> Hell yeah, my nigga! And then they plan to bring more anime events, and so I- it's gonna be like mad bitches with cat ears. <laughs> and I've been to like. We we've been to wrestling shows where it's like oh you have to god. sit around the nerdy also wrestling fans. Like I, I'm I'm a nerdy wrestling oh fan. Oh my god! I hate I when love... they call out, like when they call out smart shit. Like, yeah. Oh my god! He's gonna turn face today. Yeah. Oh my god! I can't believe it. But it's like it was that sort of process. So there were people wearing like the blue, this yeah, the blue super su- Saiyan super hair. Saiyan god headband. First of all, this makes a lot of sense. We I've had this discussion countlessly with like friends of mine, and they were like, "Why is the sky blue?" Why? Because God is Crip. <laughs> and now the Super Saiyan shit only, only like, amplifies it. Right, right. The shit is hilarious. Um, And then, but the movie overall... It pretty, was pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty like, the funny. humor was so on point. Really, really funny. And what's really horrible about this is that the animation was so good that I started watching Dragon Ball Super, yeah. and the animation looks like my eight-year-old nephew drew it. Really? Yeah, like there are moments where like the there's like a great like lack in like quality. Uh, it's that's, weird. That's, that's very very interesting. It's very, I, I don't know. I haven't started. It's watching very disappointing. That you think niggas busted their budget for like mad no shit? to do to do multiple episodes or entire saga? I I really really doubt it. But this was like the first Dragon Ball Z movie that felt like an actual movie. movie. And it um, felt good. To hour watch it. and forty five minute long, not forty minute long. Actual like got to a plot, even though the end I think was still kind of rushed. But yeah, I, was, did, I did too it, because it, I think they should have they should have let what I thought was gonna happen happen. Right, but overall a good experience. Honestly, we saw it in the theaters, and I think that enhanced the sort of mm-hmm. experience. But you can pretty much watch it on YouTube now. Yeah, people. I think it. Adult Swim was gonna show it on TV. I don't uh, no, they I think they were only showing like the first thirty or twenty minutes of it. Oh, um, that's but whack. but now they're you know you can watch it on YouTube. But onto that, onto our guest, maybe we can um, finally just switch to it. So I, so finally we're gonna get to our guest, who is a um, very very important writer, very mm. very you know one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite people, just someone that I follow. Um, initially, you know, got into his articles about rap and more so his opinions about rap just on Twitter and everything like that and then started reading his articles and then I had a chance to work beside him working on um, Rassle Rap last year. So I just want to, you know, he he was gracious enough to have me on his podcast, the Voice of the Voiceless podcast, which you can listen to on Audio Mac, I believe. On Audio Mac? Swag. On Audio Mac. So <laughs> you can, I, I want to finally just introduce Justin Davis, OG Johnny Five, J Five, whatever we're calling you, to the podcast. <laughs> what's up? What's up? What's um, up, son? I, I don't want to just say it's on Audio Mac now. I'm, I'm, it, it's, it's. I've actually been in 
hiatus. I'm bringing the podcast back. I guess it's a big announcement here, but I, it's coming back. Oh, really? Because I thought you were yeah. just doing one of those things where you just weren't doing it for a while, and then you'd randomly do it again. <laughs> we'll see. Like we'll see, we'll see. Like I always went on like crazy hiatuses for months and months and months, and then we'll just show up again. Yeah. It was with me and A plus, and then it stopped. And it was me. Then A plus will come back, and it's me. Well, I'm I'm planning a lot of things for the the return, and the return is going to be it's going to be pretty big. So, stay tuned. That's pretty pretty dope. Like we've been. Uh, are are you going to show up on Apple Music? Is that the is that the surprise? Like um, that that's one of the plans. It's to have a, a solid home. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm in the process of of carrying everything over, but but right now I'm amassing guests. Okay. Okay, that's cool. Right, um, that's cool. tell me how that Apple Music pussy feels like when you <laughs> when you get there. Just let just have enough grace and charity to let me smell your fingers after you're done. I guess. Oh, cool. When I get to New York, I, I'll. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever get to New York, but but well, let's start about what you're doing right now. So tell so I I guess I don't know for the the listeners who don't really know who you are. I think pretty much like a, a lot of our you know people who listen know who you are but i think probably half don't know who you are because we're literally like we're probably like 100 views <laughs> so like 50 know who you are and like 50 don't know who you are yeah so just to sort of tell us about yourself and just to like what do you do in like you know everything like that well um i am a writer mm-hmm. i've been writing for at least um I, I, at least professionally like as far as freelance i've been writing for about three to four years now but i've been writing really all my life and um, right now, I freelance and I'm part of the news team for Complex Music. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and I also do a lot of stuff for Billboard. So I kind of bounce back and forth between the two. That's very, very dope. Uh, like, I, I mean, I've uh, I've written for a bunch of websites. And um, I just, in terms of just your experience at Complex, I just want to know, like, um, what what do you fancy more? I guess writing sort of those like big articles or just like more of the daily things where you're able to put maybe you put a little bit of an input, maybe a little bit not. What it, which more do you like? You know, prefer. Well, I was brought on to Complex originally to be an aggregator or a blogger, what they call it. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, <clears throat> really, it it I did that for my first. I've been there for like almost shit, almost three years now, but. Um, I, I was originally a blogger, so you know I, I did that, and eventually that starts to wear on you. Oh yeah, because it, it's you mm-hmm. reporting about things that you might not necessarily always care about, and you might not necessarily always like, you know. And, and that's just the that's just how the game goes. Damn, you know, you're not always going to post mm-hmm. or, or talk about what you want to do. So this year I, I did a lot more features because me me and my my boss Lauren like he's like my my mentor. Mm-hmm. And we kind of we kind of butt heads about it before, and um, but we came to an understanding that yes, I you know this burns you out, and and I don't care what music blogger tells you it doesn't. This right. shit is gonna burn you out. Absolutely, you know? it, it's just tiring. I can vouch for that. Trust <laughs> me, having my um my own blog this goes in for three years straight, and it was just like working your own blog. So you're pretty much yeah. aggregating all the content, and for three years, at the end of those three years, I was so burnt like creatively and like just. It, it it got to the point where my mind didn't process actually what I was writing. It just went from my brain to my fingers because I guess there's there's a structure in which you can sort of write and how you can just deliver the news and yeah. you can add your own little quips here and there. But there's pr- it's pretty much a structure because people are really just coming to get the you know the the bottom line. And Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's 
it, it gets to a point where it just completely like burns you out. So I can sort of vouch on that. Your your features have been pretty pretty dope. Um, I one of I guess one of your most notable ones are for um, for interviewing Young Thug and how was that sort of interview process? Just from where <laughs> where he was when you interviewed him a couple of years back was it last year or it was last year it was last i have so many questions about that interview (laughs) because i just want to know what the fuck was he wearing (laughs) because well well, you know what was funny was um i did that interview in january 2014 and it's still today it's still one of my favorite interviews it's one of my best i feel like i got the most out of him right uh, I think there was an interview uh, that just published yesterday from Days Digital that they, they, I mean, they washed mine. That, that's better now. It but was, I yeah. I feel like up until then, up until then, I feel like I had the best one. And it, it was something that I had to do. It was, he was an artist that I had been listening to for almost a year at that point. And I saw I saw him getting bigger. I, and I heard through the grapevine that he was already messing with Birdman and Young Money and stuff like that. So I knew I had to talk about that. And that had to be the point of contention. Um, there was a woman who, she, she managed Q, uh, mm-hmm. the guy who did OG Bobby Johnson. Yeah, yeah the Atlanta kinda, artist. Yeah, like she, she was big in the Atlantic scene and she's big, she's still big there, but I always had constant contact with her. Um, and basically I hit her up and said, Hey, um, if you know who Young Thug's management is, let me know. And she was like, well, he has a lot of managers. This is, this is the point where he was signing all those crazy deals. Yeah. And, um, so she got the interview for me. She was like, hey, um, she DM me and said, hey, I got it for you. It's going to be then. You, you got 10 minutes. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go in for 10 minutes. So um, I called them. Wait, and first, this, yeah, let me up? just sort of ask a, a question in between that. So now you have an interview, and I'm, I'm sure, like, since you, you're pretty much a, a huge fan of Young Thug, you have all these sort of questions. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe you hear 10 minutes. What's the first thing that sort of runs through your mind when you just hear 10 minutes? Uh, touch on the important stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Touch on where he's signing to. What? Well, well, you kind. I kind of had a, a roadmap. I think one of the things that I would have been okay with having a ten-minute interview with Young Thug is that everything probably comes out one word. So it's <laughs> like I could get my answer in like what would be one sentence, and it'd be like an essay format. Like, well, see, he he, he raps fast. But he talks really slow. He's he's very uh, and this is what I knew, and this is what made me so nervous. And, and not to like, not to expose meals or anything, but he was telling me earlier like he was anxious about you know interviewing me. Right. And I was like, I felt the same way about him because I was like, I, I know one, this guy's really temperamental. Mm. I know two, he does a lot of drugs. Oh shit. And and three, it, it's like okay, what am I going to get from this guy? He doesn't interview a lot. He doesn't like to talk to people. And if you look at him now, you can you can tell he hates media. He hates talking to people. Mm-hmm. So I had I had to realize that I had to talk to young thug, young thug about things that he likes, and things that he likes. And that was that was Lil Wayne. He, he opens up when we talk about Lil Wayne. He's right. like, oh okay, he might have given me when he first got on the phone. He was like, all right, five minutes, bro. And every two minutes, he'd say five minutes. <laughs> and I got I ended up getting thirty minutes out of him because we were just talking. It was just a conversation, mm. and um, he he was just as standoffish and off-putting and moody <laughs> as, as people have said he was. But he was very open, and you could tell that he was a smart guy. You, you know, um, you know what's funny? I, you you can't you that? can't think that like a you have to think that a dude in a skirt has to be moody. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> a dude that wears a skirt probably really moody dude. 
he's he's a very he's a very temperamental guy. But you, but I think that comes from the fact that where he's from, he doesn't trust a lot of people, and two, he's he's on a lot of he's on a lot of uh, drugs too. So you know, it, it, oh yeah, any- yeah, that's that's probably true as well. That's it. But um, you've had sort of a lot of. I think a lot of sort of great success with with writing in terms of moving forward, even going as far as to just not that this is part of your success, but going as far as to taking the next step. And I know you originally lived in Virginia. Which part of Virginia, by the way? I lived in Norfolk in Tidewater area. You lived in Norfolk, and you just earlier this year, and I just I remember you know conversations with you while you were getting ready to move and it was just this big thing that happened in your life. Can you really just sort of like explain the mindset in terms of just like everything, every, all your family and everything and moving from Virginia into moving um, to, to LA and the West coast. Uh, yeah. Um, I just felt like in Virginia, I was becoming stagnant. Mm. I was not happy. I was unhappy. I felt like, to do what I wanted to do, I couldn't be there. Right. Um, because as a writer, there's no outlet for you there. There's no, there's no real publications there. It's, it's a bunch of military, Navy, and, um, you know, like industry in, in Virginia. There's nothing for you there. <clears throat> and when I went to school, it was, you know, there, there were people going to New York and there were people doing all these things and making these leaps. And I just felt like I was stuck in a rut. Um, I, I was, I was making the most money that I ever made there because the the ceiling for income is so low. <laughs> but I was also the most unhappy as I, as I You were the been. richest, most unhappy man in Virginia. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I like a children. Like, that's a hilarious children's book. Yeah, and and it was like I, I was I had a great job. Like I was working next to a superintendent at a at a public school, a public school system. So you know, you work for the government. That's that's right. money there. Bull you work bucks. for a government in a government run state. Yeah. Like you're, you're making you're making bank, and I was writing on the side. Oh, uh, that sounds very very familiar. Like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's like you have the it's like the life you have. It's like I have my own place. I have my own apartment. Right. Just within one year, I lost all of that, and I was like, well, you know what? This has to be my this has to be my way out. I was like putting myself in crazy situations that would have kept me there, like stopping myself and. I was in stupid relationships with females and I was, you know, getting in trouble all types of ways because it was me lashing out and wanting to leave. And I was like, the only way I'm going to get better is to go. So actually, it's funny, um, a year ago, in two days, I visited my friend Eric here. Shout out to Um, Eric. Yeah, shout out to Eric. I I, I visited him here and then uh, I was like pretty much like, hey, I'm going to move here. This is going to be me. We're going to do this. And then um, I made I set a little five to six month plan, and I moved here on January seventh. So wow. yeah, wow, that's that that's crazy. Why not New yeah. York? Like, what do you have against New York? Let me let me know. Uh, right, let me know right now. Well, mustard's not on the beat over there. <laughs> <laughs> Why not New York? Like everyone seems to have when they know they want to make it. I guess sort of in the the I guess. You can make it on so, sort of both sides of the mm-hmm. spectrum. Most definitely. But I know a lot of more people, and it would be, I guess, you know, geographically or just like even more conveniently to stay on the East Coast and move to New York. So why not New York? Why Why? Why did you opt to go to all He doesn't to LA? like chopped cheeses and Timberlands, nigga. <laughs> I told you. He's not <laughs> wearing no bubble vests. That's one of the reasons. You don't that's like Timberlands? 
there's, there's three reasons I didn't go to New York. Right. One of them is I I hate the cold. Oh, okay. It's not cold. The second in, reason not cold is, in Virginia at all. Um, yeah, I I hate the cold. Like, <laughs> the second reason is that I have really bad social anxiety. Mm. And um, I can, I don't want to be I, I like I have really bad social anxiety. So being in the subway, being around a lot of people in Manhattan or Times Square or something, frightens me. Really? Oh. Yeah. So it, it's it's a bad. It's really bad. Like L.A. is somewhere where you don't have to be around a lot of people a lot of the time. You can chill. Okay. <laughs> and you know the the weather sets it up for that. So one and two go into each other. Uh-huh. So what about the um? Was that the third one? Oh, the third reason is um, I I just feel like I felt like by the time I, I was going to move, the music industry was going back west. Ah, you're absolutely um, right. I don't know. I feel like the music industry is in like every direction. You just have to go to the epicenters. Yeah, but everybody's moving here. Everybody's moving back here. Mm-hmm. Everybody's true. got a house here. Oh, the most definitely. Rapper, the biggest rapper in the game records exclusively in L.A. in, in, in uh, Calabasas. Drake Who? is exclusively oh, okay. Here. Oh, yeah. We I was like, which biggest rapper? <laughs> I was like, Jay, Jay making another album, I guess. <laughs> uh, Jay lives here, too. Oh, no. I know he got a crib out there. He got a crib yeah, out like, there in New Jersey. He's got one like, where he stays in Manhattan. Yeah, like he, he, everybody is here. So I was like, man, the game's really moving back out here. And if you look at the chart today... There are a lot of West Coast artists there. Mm-hmm. If you look at Interscope, who is signing up a whole gaggle of West Coast artists, they realize that everything is shifting. It's good to be a part of the wave before it starts, then being there late. Honestly. So I felt like I would just I would get on the get on the train early, and you know, within my first couple of weeks there, I did a really really great interview and profile on J305. Oh uh, yeah, I love that um, one. Yeah, like he he, and, and this is funny. Um, this is the first time I'm even telling people this, like. I see J through a five a lot. Like, yeah, he's everywhere. <laughs> and um, one one time, I found out from one of one of the one of his promo guys that they used my profile as his background, like his little um, information piece when they send out his singles and stuff like that. Oh, his profile, shit. nice. They use mine, so everybody in the Interscope office knows that I wrote that. <laughs> oh, nice. So, like, the Damn, even even down to Jimmy Iovine. Down. Well, he's not there anymore. No. He's... Oh, he's not. Nah, what? he's at he's at Apple. Oh, ex- he's ex- at Apple exclusively yeah. at Apple. Oh, that's I didn't, crazy. I, either it slipped my mind or I just forgot. I'll be honest. I didn't even know that. I, I yeah, thought he was still an executive. Yeah. You don't remember the Apple Music presser when he was like the the main guy up there looking old shit, <laughs> bro? All I saw was Drake and then the weekend, and that was it. That's all I got from that like that whole feel. I was like, oh, oh, I can't feel my face. This must be the new weekend song. Uh, oh, yeah, and they're rolling out an Apple Music app too. I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it, those ahead. are the only things I noticed. It would actually be um Joy Amanda, Joy who used to oh, be right, right. Def Jam, right, right, wow, right. really. Yeah, he's, he's the head over there now. There's a lot of, like, label, like, move... Like, like, niggas just shift. Yeah, I feel like this is, I guess, one of the off-putting things about working at labels. Because as if you love music, I guess you would want to be part of sort of the creation and sort of the release and all that sort of things. Um, so I've had, like, pipe dreams in my mind of, hey, I work at a label. You know, we work, we make this artist good. The artist becomes one of the top-selling artists in the world. And you have a sort of a... I don't know if you have a piece in that, but you have just a sort of like connection to, you know, the bigger thing. But then, like, I guess one of the most off-putting things about labels is just how, like, 
the way the industry is shifting, it's like there's not a – I feel like there's a lot of shifting around. There's a lot of um, people, you know, getting possibly laid off. There's a lot of new people coming in. There's a lot of – it's just a lot of sort of shift. And I know that happens sort of in business itself but mm-hmm. from time to time. But I feel like it moves a lot quicker in the music industry. Yeah, it does. People get switched out a lot. Um, when when you, you one thing you got to remember is that nobody is Teflon in the music industry. You're only as good as your last act. Right. So I mean, if if you had you could you could have been the guy that found Fetty Wap. If you don't find the next Fetty Wap in the next year and a half when Fetty Wap gets cold, then you know you're you're back to the square one or mm-hmm. you're gone. Yeah, well. and, and that's the that's the stressful part about the music industry, and it's like you you start to see it a lot more here, um, in LA too. Like I've been to Universal and, and the Interscope offices and Def Jam offices, and I and I know people there, and they're all you know they're constantly working and trying to find the the next guy. And I know a lot of people get upset at the label process, but these guys are trying, like they're really trying and they're not trying to find bullshit anymore because they know how the game was in 2008. They know how the game was in 2012. <laughs> they yeah. know how how much it was a struggle. So Yeah, and this is, I guess now it's, I mean, I wouldn't say now it's starting to pick up, but it's, it's, it's in a lot better place now. I think a lot of people more value the quality of music now than before because you talk about those 2008, 2009 where it's just like, Next one, round them up. Next one, get them up. Next one. And it's just all these people just sort of popping, but it was nothing that, like, really just stuck. Nothing that really yeah, There's real development. I don't I don't know if there's a lot of real money right now, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of real right. development. But, yeah. like, it, it's they, – they are trying, and, and I'll give them that. Like, they're not just trying to shovel out a, a whole bunch of shit because if you look at the development end on it, Look at this year compared to last year. There's a lot of black people on those charts. Yeah, there's a swag, there is swag. a like there's like an 18, 17, however however old Salento is. He has the number one song in the world. The, right. You know that that was unfeasible. That was unfathomable last year. Now, I don't know. Remember me, Laffy Taffy? <laughs> well, let me ask you, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Just and this is just a random question. Do you get like the same like kind of like joy i don't know if it's joy or just excitement of saying cilento like uh, that i did because i saw one of your tweets just like a couple like hours ago i don't know but just like saying cilento is like fucking amazing to me <laughs> that nigga sound like uh, a medication Silento. yeah this <laughs> like, like he was in the booth with sweat coming down his forehead <laughs> and silento bro like he i i love just that guy's energy. Like he's not particularly good at the dancing in that song. No, at all. Nah. But no. I'm I'm good seeing a, a young kid finally make it. This game needs new stars. Period. Most definitely. That's how I felt about wrestling for a long period of time, and I got yeah. my wish. It's the same thing with wrestling. That Drake and Kendrick need guys to dance with, right? So to speak, they need new guys that will keep them on their feet. The yeah, only absolutely. reason why right now Drake is making these hotline blames and these two great diss songs is because he had someone that challenged him. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, um, I, uh, well, j- just talking about those songs, maybe you can, like, let us know, like, what songs you're into. Because usually you do this on your podcast, but, you know, since the Voice of the Voiceless podcast is currently being, you know, under construction to become this sort of big juggernaut, maybe on Apple Music, maybe not on Apple Music, who knows. Um, 
What what songs are you feeling right now? Because I know you do that on your podcast, and you you let us in, and you fill us in, maybe like thirty second snippets of a song here and there. But like, what songs are you feeling right now? Um, I'm gonna have to go to my Spotify playlist. Um, no, like, <laughs> I I really like Tory Lanez. Um, Boy, favorite. thank you, someone who understands me. <laughs> yeah, that that song is going to. Hey, listen, listen, that song is going to be a hit. Um, give him. Around October, you'll be you'll probably be tired of it, but you'll be really proud of. Now that's things like all like everything off his last project goes really really hard, and he got all these EDM producers like out of like I don't even know where like maybe tours just to do his music for him. Yeah, and um, he's on tour with Young Thug um, this this fall, so that's more exposure for him, more exposure for for both of them that they so desperately need, especially absolutely. The, uh, the next guy, right? Actually, Young Thug is the next person that I'm gonna say that I'm feeling. Uh, of course, I'm a big fan, and mm-hmm. and listen, there's nothing wrong with being a big fan of anybody. Okay, there's nothing and wrong. Yeah, people, people on Twitter and on the internet would try and make you seem like it's such a bad thing to be a fan like of something. You, yeah, it's not. It's not wrong to be a fan. It's okay if I'm the biggest Young Thug fan ever. I don't give a fuck. You know what it is? <laughs> like, yeah. Black Twitter. Black Twitter is entrapment, my nigga. They'll <laughs> shit on anything if something goes wrong with it. If someone yeah. doesn't catch a football one game, no matter what their fucking their fucking catch record is, niggas will be like, "Oh, this nigga's fucking trash." Yeah. It all, it, period. Like it, it's, only, it's a theory I have remember. called the theory of negativity. <laughs> <laughs> like niggas just want to be negative for no fucking reason. Yeah. Like it's like if I say if I if I have an opinion on something, you know how many people will be in my mention. Like people camp in my mention to mention the fact. Well, you no. know your opinion doesn't matter because you like uh, right. Like, when I most- hold on, when I found out that you could follow people's tweets, like you could like no matter what time they tweet, you just mm-hmm. get it as an alert on your phone. I said this place is going to hell because someone's gonna see me tweet <laughs> some crazy shit and they're gonna be like, oh. You don't like this? You a fucking dumbass. Like, how could you even... Yeah, I see that a lot with J5 concerning the young... Th- uh, I think young thug, I think, has just thrown more in your face than anything. Yeah, so it, it's, about to be, it's about to be Young Dolph next. But, uh, <laughs> oh, I, you know what's funny? I kind of like Young Dolph, but I realize why I like him. Because he's just Gucci Mane light. Yeah, that's all he is. He's that's Gucci Mane light. He's Gucci Mane without, like, the big belly and, like, the... <sighs> <laughs> You go eat your he's cheeseburger, Gucci boys. For the, for the skinny niggas. Like, yeah, he's Gucci <laughs> Mane for the skinny niggas. Oh, yeah. shit. I was actually at, like, a, at a Gucci Mane art event the other day. There was mad Gucci Mane art, like, just hanging on the walls, and TM88 was hosting. It was mad oh, funny. Yo, he's tall as shit. He decked the shit out of some kid to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Nigga got mad buck, son. Him and his boys. They were all some Atlanta heads. He described him as anime tall. He's anime. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like Attack on Titan tall. That nigga's, oh, shit. that nigga's really fucking big and his hands are mad huge. That nigga's fist is like your whole face. Oh, yeah, he, he's, I, I, he choke slams niggas in, in Atlanta all the time. <laughs> Apparently, my nigga. I was like, oh, yeah, this squash that. match is going to end early. But oh shit! I got. I think I got off topic. I got, what was I? Oh, songs. I was listening to. Yeah. Um, Young Thug Pacifier is great to me. Great. I oh think, yeah, um, that shit is dope. I argue with 300's Twitter all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> about pushing this song. Mm-hmm. I know somebody in 300 hates me, but <laughs> Pacifier needs to be front and center. But they're pushing Good Times, which is another song that I like. But Good Times is Young Thug's official single right now. Right. Mm-hmm. But, he recorded but, a solo um, version of it. 
Yeah, he did. He did a solo version of it. Uh, I, I I don't think I have that. There's a version without the Jamaican niggas that we call Popcon. <laughs> in yeah. New York, in New York, we're like well versed in like Caribbean culture, so we don't we don't be like the Jamaican nigga. <laughs> that shit is hilarious. That, I know. But I was just saying that I was just saying what Young Thug called him. I've been in New York before, guys. I didn't know you guys yet, but I've been. <laughs> I go, jeez, you guys are talking to me like I'm a fucking alien. I've been Because the way you before. said it is mad funny. The Jamaican like, nigga. I don't like me. That's what Young Thug said. He said that, he said that, he said that um, Jamie put some Jamaican nigga on it. And I was like, that shit is hilarious. Because he does me. Like, Young Thug doesn't care to know these guys' names. He, he doesn't. Like, and that's the most dickheaded <laughs> shit. But it's okay when they like in in dance hall when they get to a certain level they don't they don't be knowing people's names. Vibes Cartel, who's like a famous dance hall artist, used to work with Diplo like every so often, and then he's like, and Diplo was like, I'm not even sure he knows what my fucking name is <laughs> or who the fuck I am till about now. Right. But what? what, um, what yeah. What other songs? I like. Uh, let's go to the Mustard mixtape that I listen to. I, I really like RJ right now. So um, if you if just Google RJ DJ Mustard any play anything I think RJ is one of the most dynamic rappers coming out of the West Coast right now. That's dope. Um, I like J three hundred five Thuggin' still. J three hundred five has a lot of unreleased stuff that I heard that's not out yet that I can't really say is hot like the the, the hottest thing out right now because you guys can't hear it. Right. But look <laughs> out for J three hundred five right now. You're so exclusive. That's so exclusive. Um, premiere. Premiere. Yeah. That's my man. I, I gotta, I gotta push him. That, that's my man. He shows me a lot of love. Like he's the man. Like shout out to J three hundred five. Um, Future, of course. D- DS two is still in the absolutely. In the I think uh, DS two is one of the most. I think DS two has changed. Actually, I actually wrote a review for DS two that I'm thinking about just releasing on my Tumblr or something, so people can at least read it. But I think DS two changed trap the trap sound. Um, they took it back from the EDM trap stuff that was mm-hmm. slowly kind of making it all mon- monotone, and mm-hmm. they and they said, "Hey, give us our sound back." And I'm glad that Metro took that that EDM sound and kind of placed it inside of DS2 ever so slightly. Ever so, so that, slightly, that, nigga. Groupies, my nigga. Yeah. I be wanting to punch bitches in the face. <laughs> what? <laughs> that shit is it's so aggressive. It's like, yeah, I fuck all my groupies. Like, you want to grab a bitch, slap her on the ass, and if she ain't with it, you just mush her. <laughs> like, DS2 is like the... Such a thugged out know, ass me, album. It, I, I don't know if I like it better than 56 Nights, because 56 Nights is so short and compact, and right. it's something I can listen to on a short car ride. But um, DS2 is great. Um, I'm also liking Hotline Bling. Of course. Um, Young Dolph, of course. His new tape is really good to me. Um, I'm like, and you know what's crazy? I'm listening to so much music right now. Last year, I couldn't have told you. Sh- I would have told you my crazy life still, because that's all I listened <laughs> to all last year. You know, my crazy life was, and now he's coming out with sort of my crazy life too. Um, I think it's <laughs> yeah, not still crazy. Not oh, still crazy. Ah, it's called still crazy. It's still it's called still yeah. crazy. It's definitely called still crazy. Mm. Um, not featuring mustard or a little bit of mustard. <clears throat> not a not a lot of just there, a dash. Um, I listened to the a couple of songs from the album a couple of weeks ago. Um, he he had a lot of press. Listen to it. Mm-hmm. He's definitely on his '96 pop shit. Um, <laughs> he's definitely talking about the shooting a lot. Right. Um, and there is definitely not a lot of mustard. There was one mustard song that I thought was going to be the single, and then 
three weeks later, Twist Your Fingers was the, the single. So I'm thinking he's completely going away from that because there's a lot of Terrence Martin on that album. Oh, okay. All right. Mm, That's okay. Cool. What do you, um, in terms of, I guess, when we're talking about this new music, I would like to know your opinion on Dr. Dre's new album, Compton. Mm-hmm. It dropped last week, um, last week, Friday. Um, I've had a couple, I've had to sit down with it a couple of times just because like, the first few times, like, I, I'm not, it didn't really hit me in any sort of capacity. It was really any, in terms of me actually feeling the album. But what are your thoughts on the album? Um, <laughs> uh, I I tweeted this out too. My, my opinion on Compton, this is before my opinion on the album. The album itself, after I saw the track list, I said this is a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. I know that this is Dre's final hurrah. Mm-hmm. But and I'm going to use a lot of wrestling terminology here because this is I, I feel like wrestling relates to life. But when you go out on top, you're supposed to put the next guy over. Right. Um, Very well said. He didn't, he, you know, just from this before I listened, he didn't the track listing didn't have any mustard, didn't have any, you know, Thundercat, didn't have any top uh, top West Coast producers and artists that kept this city alive when he was chilling. Um, I'm not cool with that. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Right. Um, I see a track list with King Mez and John Connor and a lot of Aftermath people, and somebody told me, hey, well, they're signed. I was just like, well, Ice Cube isn't signed to him, and nor is Snoop Dogg. And they get, a, you know, they get the rock. They're like 50 years old. Right. Why can't YG get on there? Why can't RJ get up there? Like, the game is the only guy that he, he's not even on Aftermath. He's on E1. Right. So, it, you know, I had, a, I had a real issue with that. But when I listen to the album, it sounds good. Of course, it's mixed by Jesus because, you know, Dr. Dre has the most expensive <laughs> engineers in the game. Oh, man. Um, but it's it's cool. It's nothing I'll ever run back again. I mean, I don't – the Kendrick verses were great. I mean, and, and side note, I think Kendrick – it goes Kendrick and Thug for, to me, the top rappers of the year. But, like, other than that, it's like, what? Like, what? what is it? <laughs> you yeah. know, like – I kind of I kind of agree on that sort of point because I mean I guess when I first uh when I first saw a lot of people's reviews and people a lot of people were holding this as sort of a really really great album really really full and I'm like oh man like I'm cuz I'm looking at the track listing and I can like I can see it's there's features on pretty much everything which isn't so like you know it's, it's not so strange No it's not so strange but it's also not you know it's it's a, it's a little it, it it sets off something in my mind and maybe it was something in <clears throat> set off something in my mind related that also sets off when DJ Khaled album drop <laughs> but another just, one right <laughs> but just like when I listened to it I think I I got so the the background and the instrumentals were absolutely gorgeous all all of that production was really really gorgeous the introduction sucked the intro sucked me in. For the first few minutes, I was like, oh, this is really, really great. It felt very, very lively. I liked the way it was going. I can anticipate a story hearing. And then I think just so much just action and bars and things like that. And not to say that, you know, quality rappers don't have their sort of place, but it was was just too much at once. And then it's like, I feel like they've sort of adapted the same sound as Dre because of all the production, the sort of similar production that they all have together, and it just became sort of a blur for a few moments. And it, it took me actually probably about 
four or five listens to actually like sort of get in the real nitty gritty of the album. I think it's I think it's a you know I think it's a good album, but I don't necessarily I I couldn't find myself really enjoying this album. Yeah, this shit was really well produced, but like listening to it over and over again, it's like I wasn't really. Yeah, I felt like I had to force it. myself to yeah. enjoy it. And it was I don't well wanna... produced. Like the rappers did their thing, but it's like I don't know. It's just not sticking. It doesn't feel contemporary. I mean, the sound mm-hmm. on the on like the beats feel contemporary, but it's like the rap doesn't. It doesn't feel like some. It doesn't feel like yeah. It doesn't feel like it fits in the era. It feels like one part, as you said, in terms of just like you know negating all these sort of West Coast artists that sort of brought it back and sort of just held it down. It feels mm-hmm. like one section and just yeah. like a very very small secluded section, as opposed to the entire vast you know Compton of what it is and what it's become and over the last few years and how people have really really held it down. It's not just Kendrick. It's it's yeah. it's everybody now. It's, it's in, in my and I said this. I said the same thing. I said. Kendrick is not the only representative of the New West. He's a, he's maybe at least maybe forty to fifty percent of it. Like that muster wave is the kids that have come up since mm-hmm. that were born in two thousand. You know, like right. the, the, those are the kids that are on right now. The fifteen, sixteen year olds, like they're not going to fuck with this. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I agree. I don't I don't see it as yeah. as you said. I don't see it as much of a replay value or, or past a certain point. It's like getting your aunt tickets to the Isleys. I don't expect anyone over like maybe the age of like I want to say twenty six, twenty seven to really want to buy this album. Well, I mean, yeah. well, yeah. I guess I don't know. People are. I guess I don't know. People are buying this album just off the hype of the album, but I don't. Or just because Dr. Dre's name is on it. Because they just want to hear, they just want to hear. Because they thought, you know, the was it was it at, was it detox detox forever or whatever the fuck is called detox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They thought that was never coming out, so now they get their actual like Dr. Dre album. Would it have been received the same way if it ended up being like an aftermath album, like if it was a posse cut aftermath album? That'd be funny. Well, it, it, well if it was a, if it was that, it would have it would have just been detox anyway. Yeah, you know That's what? Cool. Now, nah, what would have had me really weak is if I plugged put in this album, and it was just all these West Coast like mustard sounding beats. I would have just laughed mad hard. I was like, "This well, old nigga can't be serious." I would have, I would have fucking, I would have liked that because that's at least something I'm gonna hear in the club. I can hear <laughs> from this on the club. Like, there's no, there's no um next episode on this. Oh, oh wow, yeah, you're right. There, right. there, there's no next episode on this. There's no gin and juice on this. It, it's it's a bunch of rapidy ass rapping. Right. And <laughs> and my thing is, you can have you can have like you can have pretty beats all you want. And you can God, raggedy ass rapping. Right. Like what I would give for an instrumental version of this. But at the end of the day, a lot of these features aren't dope. Mm. A lot of a lot of Dre's verses aren't dope. And damn, and he paid you know, for those verses. He's doing. <laughs> he yeah, paid like for those. It, it, he got to get his money back. He got to come with the receipt. Yeah, you, like, yo, give me back that six. I'm gonna give you back the sixteen. Shit was not that hot. <laughs> like I don't, I do not give a lot of. Um, I, I didn't give it a lot of thought. I right. didn't give this album a lot of thought after I heard it the first time. Like I don't even think like my girl is from here, and she probably is just like, eh. I haven't heard talk about it. <laughs> mm, gotcha. Uh, I gotta go to California, son. Uh, question. Um, I guess now. Uh, 
since uh you you cover the news a lot a lot on complex and we've all sort of been for pretty much i guess now it's sort of died down for but for a large time three four weeks we've had this sort of meek mill and drake beef going on and i think i guess it was yesterday i don't know if it was officially i don't know if you can say it officially i think meek mill I would say he conceded defeat. <laughs> Damn right, his Pepe the Frog looking ass conceded. <laughs> I, I I would say he's conceded defeat. Um, smart decision, mm-hmm. good decision, most profitable decision. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot on this whole Drake McMill thing, and I'm gonna sit, and I just want to get. I want you guys to give me a give me. A, Give me some space for this. We right got now. you, voice of the voiceless. We got you. We got you. Drop the pipe bomb. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit Indian style here. <laughs> disclaimer, full disclaimer. Anyone can tell you this. Anyone will tell you this. That has been around me or talked to me every day. Meals talk to me pretty much every day. Pretty much, yeah. I didn't give two shits about this beef. I don't care that he had someone write a hook, a chorus. Because I've seen it before. I don't care about him not tweeting a fucking mm-hmm. album link. I don't care about Meek Mill going out with Nicki Minaj. I don't mm-hmm. care about any of this Hollywood shit. It's bullshit. The Meek Mill Drake shit off the internet, Drake won. Off the internet. No one gives a fuck. All right? This is, this is going outside, talking to people. Nobody gives a shit. You go on Twitter... And there's a lot of people that are using this beef to write, to basically come up with think piece of the year or come up with greatest tweet, greatest meme of the year and and get hot off of this. When in a week from now, no one's going to give a shit about that piece. No one's going to give a shit about that fucking picture. Nobody's going to give a shit about what you wrote about it. Because the people that are in power that are writing about this beef, they're not making history with whatever they're ha- whatever is going to happen with this shit. The history has already happened. Drake got in the beef. He washed a nigga. He won. It's over. There are a lot of people using this politically as a way to get back at other people, as a way to diss people through their through their articles, think pieces, through a way to get through their own social fucking misguided ass thoughts. And that's literally what it is. I've never been so sickened at what I've seen from people that I would like consider my peers than I have about this fucking beef. <laughs> and that's just real. Like, I've seen people literally lose their fucking minds about it. Hey, chill the fuck out. Sit down. It might not have fucking happened the way you wanted it to. It might not have been competitive. You, Drake might have exposed the fact that Santa Claus wasn't fucking real. But listen, <laughs> rap is fucking work. It's a work. Oh, my God. Rap is a work. Rap is not real, Okay. <laughs> When you go to sleep at night, best promo. You do not think about fucking Drake getting a ghostwriter because it doesn't matter. <laughs> Rap is a fucking work. Yo, like nobody cares. Ten out of ten. Yeah, this is probably <laughs> the best promo anyone's cut on our uh, on our podcast. Oh my like, god! But I might, I might, like... I might have to bury you next week, my nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get a shovel and shit. <laughs> Like I, I hate to put it in that way, and, and and there are a lot of people that there are a lot of people that I fucking respect. There are a lot of people that I fuck with. Mm-hmm. But this this beef had people going out of their minds as far as trying to cull any amount of content that you could from it. Like, oh my god, Rick said this, or Forty said this years ago. Like, what what happens now, or like something like that. Like, dude, 
it's not that deep. It's really not that deep. It's as clear cut as this. This is a fucking Vince McMahon booked angle. <laughs> and at the end, Drake, he, he pinned Meek Mill one, two, three G- in the end of the feud. And the feud Drake is over. Cena, nigga. Meek Mill is, Meek Mill is going to go for the fucking U.S. title and Drake is going to have the title and move on. That's all it is. Drake is John Cena. You're not exactly going to him, my nigga. And your think your think pieces are not going to beat him either. He's going <laughs> to keep going. He Drake is he's big business. He is he's fucking Vince McMahon. He's Donald Trump. He's fucking he's the Yankees, my nigga. He's the Lakers. Yeah, there you, you go. You can't stop him. <laughs> he's a franchise. Good lord, that was awesome, yeah, man. That's the best promo anyone. Like I said, that was best awesome. Promo. I feel like because for I mean. Initially, when it came out, and I, I, I'll still say it because there's a large part of me that doesn't really care about this, and I think a lot more. It was a lot more people's opinions on the internet that made mm-hmm. me care <laughs> very much, so less about it. Because when it all comes at the same time, and a lot of people, it's, it's a, just a lot of different opinions, and a lot of opinions that aren't actually backed up by any sort of merit or facts. It was just sort of just to put it out there. It, it's. I sort of I I echo your feelings on this. I think a lot of people do, and you know that was ten out of ten promo <laughs> spoken from Paul Heyman the, cut the Church of CM Punk. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. Meek Mill is as much at fault of this as anyone else. Oh, Meek absolutely. Made himself, he made himself look like a complete idiot. Yeah, right? he had to be a little humble, especially when other people are writing for you too. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's another thing. It's, it's like you know that that's not going to be addressed. You know, people sweep that under the rug. Of course, sure, because Drake is the he's a lightning rod. I understand that if he is the John Cena sucks. It, it's it's that with, but you can't deny him though. Right. Mm-hmm. But Meek Mill, he has a level of deniability. You know why? He doesn't have number one albums. This is his first one. He doesn't have number one singles ever. Right. He just he just got hot, and now he's back down where he was before june of 2015 i'm sorry to say right nothing is hit nothing's gone his his record his album has stalled mm-hmm. i think he's i think big sean's still selling more than him wow. so at the end of the day you have to you, you have to realize that that meek mill played this completely the wrong way when you're playing with someone that's been waiting for this drake's waiting for this type of shit the only reason that he came so hard is because he said oh yeah I got the perfect way to do this. Let me open up the book to page five in my slam book. Like, he was ready for this type of thing. Meek Mill was not. Absolutely. Uh, Meek Mill, he's the definition of a Twitter nigga. So at the end of the day, he's going to tweet a lot. Lives in He hasn't Philly. tweeted in two weeks now, but he's going to tweet a lot, and he's Dates not going to do much. Does he have the... I guess the wherewithal if we're I guess I don't know if that's an actual wrestling term. I've only heard it in wrestling. <laughs> the wherewithal I don't even use that term because I don't know what the fuck it means. No. <laughs> the wherewithal to bounce back from the situation. Great to, well said just, JR. <laughs> to bounce back from the situation and you know he was never I guess he was he was never one of the top rappers, but he was up there. He was definitely up there and this the run he had before three weeks ago was pretty, pretty good. And he everything was going sort of well for him in that sort of aspect. But does he get back to the same point he was before? Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't mention Drake. Sweep this under the rug. Say that this was something that, uh, that, you know, like he tried to do yesterday. This is bigger than rap. I'm trying to get money for my people. Focus on the music. Never address it again. 
never address it again. You address it again, Drake has another song for you. <laughs> Drake has three Pete. Uh, absolutely. I don't even know if he has it. Well, I don't know. Nigga. He, he has it? He, he has, has it. it. <laughs> he has it. It's like it's like he's going to say, 40, get the tables, my nigga, and they're just going to put him through that shit. <laughs> yeah, oh. it, it, it's literally, do not mention this ever again. Take the L. And, and we actually complex that it had a, um, we, uh, Lauren actually spoke to a PR guy mm-hmm. about this, and he he advised the same thing. And I'm glad that Meek Mill is listening. Meek Mill is, is leave this alone. It's over. You have Whataburger, fucking Taco Bell, whoever the fuck else dissing you. It's over. Right. Absolutely. It's over. It's absolutely but over. But back to you calling him a Twitter nigga. I was like trying to keep score of all the things that make him a Twitter nigga, <laughs> and I was like, wow. He is a Twitter nigga. He's got, he went, first of all, the nigga went from fuzzy braids to waves in like five minutes. I don't know how that shit happened. But like I went to sleep and woke up and this nigga had mad waves. I don't know what the fuck was going on. I don't know how tight his do-rag was on his braids. But yo, this nigga got like. That's some, that's some up top shit. That's some East Coast shit. That's <laughs> most definitely is some East Coast shit, my brother. I'm not going to lie to you. If you want to get like really good tiny waves, you get like a really, really thin satiny do-rag. Yeah, that's anyway. why y'all so fucking mad. That's why y'all so mad. You think <laughs> you think the waves like ruffle our brains and do rags yeah. are too tight? Like what the fuck? <laughs> Don't make me put my Tims up in your ass. Oh man. <laughs> but like yeah, well, moving on from I guess now the Meek Mill and Drake situation. There's one more, I guess, before we move into what I, you know, what wanted I'm to most talk. excited to talk about. Um I'm gonna talk <laughs> about Migos in terms of their debut album, Young Rich Nation. And their first week sales. Or as now, I like to call it, Young Rich Nigalopolis. <laughs> as we know, first week sales don't dictate, you know, what is what it could be long term. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. This looks pretty like pretty straightforward. Um <laughs> but um Young Rich Nation only sold fifteen thousand copies in its first week. Um is it have they was this album I guess released too late? Was it bad timing was it not promoted enough like what are your sort of thoughts on this sort of figure considering one maybe two years ago or even like one year ago where they were at i i have a sort of theory on this that sort of the 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 internet has sort of just not destroyed them but at least took them down a few notches Mm -hmm. just by overhype in terms of this you know migos greater than the beatles thing all that sort of thing just putting them in this sort of um pop culture upper echelon but really only exists on the internet because people outside of the <laughs> internet don't really you know understand migos or anything like that nah. but what are your sort of thoughts on on this sort of first week figure i got white friends that know the migos <laughs> migos definitely had a buzz i'm not gonna say they didn't i'm i'm like i feel like when, when offset got back out right and they put out no label two they had two they had two or three of the best songs out last year mm-hmm they were on top of the world last year without Drake. They proved that they could do it without Drake. They got right back to the charts. Right. My issue was, yes, they waited too long. They waited way too long. Why do we need Rich Nigga Timeline between that? We oh, man, fuck we Rich Nigga Timeline. Album. Yeah, we, we needed that album right then and there. I also put a lot of blame on 300. I, I hate to talk them talk about bad, talk about them bad again. I, I would love to sit there and pick their brain about what they're trying to do with social media analytics. Because those analytics have proved them wrong twice, and they fucked up two of their best artists. Young, they only sold one thousand less than Young Thug did. Yeah, 
and they announced Young Thug a week before he was supposed to come out. And, and his I tracking, said, I guess the tracking for his first week sales was only pretty much like three days or something. It was like, yeah, it, it wasn't it, the it was, entire week. It, it, it was it was crazy because yeah, he, again he came out on a Friday. I think the final sales was like twenty four k or twenty five k or something yeah, like that. Yeah, which is good. He stalled, of course, he stalled at thirty five. But once it came out, they stopped pushing it. When 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 young when YRN was about to come out, you're you're putting out videos on World Star Hip Hop. What the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, <laughs> like like you. One time was a great single, but you go to YouTube to fund the video, and it looks like a fucking. The one-time video was one of the worst videos of the year for a great song. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was like, one time is a great song, and you don't push it. Like, it was timing, and they always seem to have bad timing. Because right when they're about to hit and, and go into album promo mode, they get arrested, and Offset goes back to jail. So it's like, you know. Typical, had, typical hood nigga shit. Like, that shit happens out here. Yeah, like, had they moved this album to maybe last December, when mm-hmm. I think that would have been the best time for them, last October to December, mm-hmm. then they, I, I feel they would have did at least 98,000 98, and been moving toward a, a 150K at this point of the year. Right. But, of course, you do make them wait another year. You think because it's summer, it's going to work, and it doesn't work. I've, I've... 300 has to change their analytic game because just promoting artists off straight analytics has failed them twice. If they try and pull this shit with Fetty Wap, they're going to fail again. Right. I, I've i had this theory about the summer and album releases in the summer. And for the most part, I want to say people think, I guess, the summer is just sort of this big haven to when to drop albums just because it's hot and the weather's nice and everything like that. I think the summer is great to drop singles. <laughs> Absolutely. But in terms of actually dropping an album and expecting it to sell, a lot of artists are not equipped for a summer album. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's easier to rest on, you know, the holiday sales and, you know, the Black Friday discounts and things in the fall. I think that's why a lot of people, you know, push things in the fall. Beyonce's last album dropped in the winter and fall right before the holidays. Great. Mm-hmm. Rihanna always drops in the fall. Um, even Drake. Even Drake drops in the fall. Pusha <laughs> T had a nice, you know. September. September, October album that he dropped in the fall. Had some nice numbers on that. A lot of people aren't equipped for the summer. And I don't think a lot of people actually notice that in terms of just albums. Future was. Future was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Future. Yeah, but he was a hit maker for the summer. Future. Anything he touched was gold. Decided to go with the formula of high volume, high quality he was little waning it. Meek was too, but I mean the anticipation the anticipation for Meek was really high. Oh, right. you okay over there? Hmm? Okay. Oh, your phone there was like some crazy noise coming feedback. from it. We heard feedback. Yeah. It was feedback. It was feedback probably. Okay. Oh. All right. But yeah, I, I the summer is not the future did astounding in the summer and I ho- really hope Something moves forward from there with DS too. He fucked many bitches in Gucci flip flops. <laughs> I, I think future. I don't. I don't know if that'll that'll go. Um, I don't know if I. I don't know if I put DS two at um, going gold, but I know that it'll be his highest selling album to date. Yeah, but that was also future saying fuck the labels. Let me do this my way. Right, mm-hmm. Migos should have done that a long time ago. Thug pretty much has no plan that's like the joker he's like a dog chasing cars like that we, we can leave him out of that i don't i mean i never saw unless thug gets a a oh shit, he had Birdman, but unless thug gets a real <laughs> businessman behind him i don't see him doing a lot either in september even though the music will be great probably right but migos needed 
this album to work and it just didn't because the thing about it is I could I would have a you know I would have felt a lot worse if it was if the album was good but the album isn't even that good yeah like it, it's, it's it's a waste of all of the strengths like it, it's really bad offsets barely on it which makes me think that the album was finished like <laughs> maybe a couple weeks before he he went in right but it, it was just a I don't know what I don't know like I I, I might have picked maybe two or three songs out of that but with the first like the sequencing in it like the first half is a bunch of deep deep cut the mm-hmm. second half is really all of the Migo stuff and it's like really weird wow yeah man I I don't know the the thing I just hope it moves forward from there I think we all um, I guess I appreciate sort of Migos music. Not to say that this is like, I'm not trying to use my Michael F- Cole voice here, you know, when serious stuff happens and you just, you know, Migos was just, it was, it was great at that time. But, you know, I really hope something eventually pops up for them because they're pro- probably just their flow. I, I admire, the one thing I admire is just how charismatic everything is with them. And they're, they can rap and they're generally, <laughs> I don't know if it's, them on purpose but i just find meals meals be real be real here the internet made them corny right mm-hmm. they be absolutely real. did it it absolutely did it absolutely did um it don't matter if they can rap it don't matter if they can rap no more the internet made them corny and i and i saw it and i peeped it last year i was like man this this beetle shit is going too far yeah i agree i agree um let's move into the i guess the sec the second not it's not even the second half this will just be a portion but we're gonna end off on this portion because i love talking wrestling carlos loves talking wrestling you love talking wrestling we all love talking wrestling so it's at this point where if you don't even like wrestling you can tune out (laughs) right now yeah fuck you if you don't like wrestling yeah you can tune out right now we've already got it i'm watching uh i'm actually watching uh smackdown right now like i have to watch smackdown now at five o'clock over here which because is awesome. I don't want to get it spoiled. I feel like it's awesome to watch it earlier, though. Like, you can get, you can absorb the fact, you can go on throughout your day. Like, you know how many times I've watched pay per views and Raw end and just had to, like, live with it and then wake up the next morning, like, how oh, the <laughs> hell did this really happen the other day? Like, I you remember. You make it sound like you fucked a drunk fat bitch last night. I remember. <laughs> this is. You I made rem- it sound mad regretful. I No, not even regretful, but I remember. I watched, um, this was the, the part where they unmasked Kane, and then, like, for weeks on end, he was really just going on this rampage, and mm-hmm. I just remembered that one Raw that ended with him Tombstone and Linda McMahon. <laughs> Boy! And then, and that other Raw that ended with him burning Jim Ross, and, mm-hmm. like, I just, I went to sleep after that and woke up, I was like, this, he's just still really, like, it's still embedded in my mind, and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta follow up on this, like, what, uh. I'm, granted, of course, we know it's you know it's it's not real, <laughs> but at the same point, it's like yo, it's, I feel like watching it at five p.m. and then eight p.m. You can just kind of like you can absorb it. It sort of lives on, and then you can sort of like go on about your day. I don't know. Dog, it, it, that's that's everything out here. That's that's football. That's basketball. Like. <laughs> My life goes on. Like after. the final, yeah, the <laughs> finals ended at like seven forty-five p.m. And he was like, "I guess I'm going to go to the movies after this." Yeah, like my, <laughs> my my life, my life literally goes on after sports events. Like I'm like, "Oh man, it's eight o'clock shit." I forget all about this shit. <laughs> oh man, but what I really want to talk about in terms of just wrestling because you've got SummerSlam coming up. 
Um, SummerSlam in New York City. Hi, it's in New York and it's not in L.A. (laughs) The one year you move out to the West Coast, it's not there. Yep. Well, Uh, that's just because, oh, man, the WrestleMania thing sucked because I just moved out here. And I was just like, it's probably around six or seven hours away. Yeah. But I was like, man, I'm just I just don't have it right now. So I couldn't even go. But I was like, next time they next time they come out, I'm going to go. It's right. okay. It's coming back up to the West. Too. Oh yeah, is it, I'm I'm sure next year. Not this year. Not this year. Not, it's not. It's not coming. Yeah, not even one of the big four. No, nah, they're they're done. They're done here for the. They just they were just here. They just did house shows here. They're not coming back here uh, for the rest of the year. Actually, they're they're all over there in the south for the rest of the year. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's that's very very interesting. Um. But yeah, we have S- SummerSlam coming up. But I really want to get. I want to sort of pick your pick. Well, pick all of our brains about this post SummerSlam because we've talked about mm-hmm. it. We've talked about it on a daily basis. Just picking, just like going forward after SummerSlam. Granted, SummerSlam. How about has- this? How about this? How about this? How about we? Um, how about we all talk about what we think it's going to look like the Raw after? I like SummerSlam. your idea. <laughs> how about we how about we go around and say okay this is this is what's going to happen on the Raw after SummerSlam and yeah all right i mean all right so i'll go first chavo guerrero no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh man i miss his bald spot um um the raw after SummerSlam i honestly think the end well from here from my standpoint i yeah, see like, like what's going to happen? Like, okay, this is this is after SummerSlam. This is the this is the climate. This is the, this is what the landscape of WWE looks like right now. Brock Lesnar has defeated the Undertaker again, and fucked his bitch. And from, I think he. Uh, I'm not sure what sort of God. I never even thought of the Raw. Like I'm thinking like large term plans, like the Raw after SummerSlam. Because I know what you think already. <laughs> And that's a great idea already. And Damn, I know spoiler. No, Someone's I, got the dirt sheet. No. <laughs> we've talked about this plenty of times dirt before. Sheet. We've talked about this earlier this week. We've talked about it months ago. We've talked about it previously. But, like, man, just, like, I guess I didn't think of sort of long, the sort of next day repercussions after Brock Lesnar. Come on, Mills. Defe- go, go, go big. Go big, Defeats like, Undertaker for the second time in a row. Paul Heyman's out there cutting a promo that, you know, this is the second time we, we don't need to see Undertaker again. And then, I, and then I'm assuming, un, I, yeah, I'm assuming Undertaker shows back. There's the only reason why I'm show, I'm assuming he comes back after the fact is just because he's on that Mexican tour. Mm-hmm. He's on that Mexican tour in October or November or something like that. And... God, I really didn't. Shit. Oh man, that's gonna suck to be him because they're gonna be yelling know. at him and throwing coronas I have to, at like, him. I'm not a. Th- I'm not like. I'll be honest. I guess I'm not like an off the cuff thinker. Oh, I'm I more am. of a. I'm more of a. Hmm. Let me think about it. Let me let me stew in it for a second, and then I'll come back to you. We'll come back to you, Carlos. Go ahead. All right. So this is how I think it's gonna happen. I can't tell you whether Brock will win or the Undertaker will lose. But I know what this... <laughs> or The Undertaker will lose. <laughs> I can't tell... Oh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I just set the nigga up for failure. I, was, <laughs> I can't tell you if he's going to win or if Brock's going to win. But I can tell you that whatever the outcome is, WrestleMania is the final result. And it's going to be... The Undertaker has to win so we can stop seeing his old saggy ass in... um. <laughs> In rings. No, I respect that nigga so much. And if I, I saw him in real life, I'd mark out and shit and want him to sign shit for me. But when when it, when we being real, 
Like, this nigga's falling apart. This nigga, every right. time he comes back into the ring, it's like after, like, ten minutes he's blown and, like, he can't do as much. Like, he comes off the ropes for old school and his fucking knee shoots out into the audience and shit. It's fucking sad to watch. So it's like I just want him, them to like just be done with him. And I'm tired of Brock too. I'm I'm tired of part time wrestlers because they don't really advance anything. They're just like they're just there to give. They're just there to like generate more money because it's like they're having seldom appearances. So they they're getting like a shit ton of money to have this motherfucker here, and then he's not doing much to like mm-hmm. actually help the brand, but just like generating revenue every time something big happens. All right, all right. I, I think I got it now. I think I got it. Okay. All right, go ahead. I, I literally had to stew on it. So Brock Lesnar defeats the Undertaker at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Next next Monday, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman cut this triumphant promo. One of those promos that you like, you have to go back. And one of those promos that you know Dave Shoemaker is like calling, you know, one of reinforcing the fact that Paul Heyman is one of the greatest promo guys of all time, just for how he weaved the entire story together and all their history and all that fact. And Raw ends with the Undertaker coming out and. Wondering for the first time in his career, is there doubt? Is there? And he shows for the first time, even though he's the phenom, he's everything. He 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 he's got the confidence. He's had the the longevity. He has the secret powers and all that stuff. For the first time, he shows doubt, and he has to. It it becomes a thing where and. You, I know you'll explain this later on. You, in your idea, it sort of treads in your idea, which, I, which is mm-hmm. why I'm not going to mm-hmm. say anything about it. But he expresses mm-hmm. doubt, and then you know, somebody, and I think we both are on the same page of who will come out and sort of um, take advantage of that future. Take advantage of that. <laughs> he'll come and he'll I hope say, you're not talking about. I hope you're not saying Sting is going to no. come out. <laughs> Sting? No. Hell nah. Sting in a t-shirt. <laughs> Sting in a t-shirt in an Undertaker t-shirt? No, in his t-shirt because he can't. He just has no muscle. <laughs> no. Oh, I, you know, but you know what? I like your idea, Mills. Can I? Can I go ahead? Can I go ahead? Go ahead, go please, ahead. please. We've been I waiting. I like your idea, Mills. But with, for your idea to work, and I'm gonna, and I'm putting out my prediction now for your idea to work, Undertaker has to win at SummerSlam. I have Undertaker winning at SummerSlam because this, this is the thing about wrestling. And and I all and I'm, and I'm tying wrestling in even deeper to like fighting games. Whereas there are there's always an S tier of fighting of fighting game characters. There's always a greater tier that right. no one can be. They have no bad matchups. Right. The only bad matchups for Brock and Undertaker are each other. They're S tier. There's no one better than them. Right. There's, there's no one that can touch them. No one can beat them but each other. They've mm-hmm. beaten everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Taker beats Brock. Where else? Where else does Taker go if he beats Brock and he's not leaving? If this is his final run, he has to get that belt. Seth Rollins has no one else after Sun after next Sunday. He has nobody else. He's gonna win. He has nobody else after next Sunday, and he's beating John Cena. That makes him look good, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Okay. So next, the next night on Raw, Seth Rollins is cutting that promo. Gong. Undertaker comes out. I want your belt. Okay, I give it till around October when he's actually on that tour that he gets the title right. from him at Hell in a Cell. That's Hell Brock in a Cell. Kinda, Brock kind of goes away for a minute. I think Brock will show back up around December, 
January ish, mm-hmm. Royal Rumble time, mm. Brock wins the Royal Rumble. Sets oh, them up God. to go against each other at WrestleMania again. Undertaker goes out on his back. That's Brock true. gets the title back. New generation. And it's almost as if they don't even have to touch or, to, or, or deal with anyone else. And I, and I know you hate you know the part timers, but Brock did the exact same thing with the belt last year, and we and we were fine. Oh right. God, nah, I I actually like it's dead ass hard for me to like really watch wrestling sometimes. <laughs> what I think about that <laughs> shit because it gets me so upset because I know there are like guys out there and they're so talented and busting their ass, and you got this one guy that was really popular for a certain set of years, and now he's like the biggest. He's like he's got like the biggest contract ever. But my thing is that my thing is is you, you got to give Taker the belt. You got to give him the belt. You got to give him that one more I, time. You got to give the belt one more time. I think so as well. It's, I don't so, know. so so if he beats Brock, that's that's not a good story for him to end on. He just beat Brock fucking Lesnar. Right. <laughs> that's not a, that, that, that's not something that he retires on. He he goes and gets that because I mean and be clear, Undertaker's thing is not happening. No, we got to be clear on that. It's, that's not happening. It's at all. not happening. We don't want it. Not in this yeah. decade. We don't want it. Yeah, we, we, it, it's not happening. And and of course, like I said, this is an S tier guy. And in order for him, it's and, and the thing is, it don't even have to be Brock to beat. It has to be somebody that they've built up enough to beat him. And honestly, I think that um, the the mid to upper mid card is way more exciting than the than the than the, than the actual top Absolutely, of the card anyway. My am, I, am I in agreement here? Yes. 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 Like I mean, I'm I'm more interested in. What's going to happen with Owens and Cesaro next Hell Sunday? Yeah. Because I think both of them are in a very precarious position where they're both ready to be moved up, but it's all about who wants to, who wants to go first. I definitely think yeah. it's it's that that feud I'm looking forward. I'm completely interested in I guess what they do with Roman Reigns from here on out mm-hmm. because he's at this point, and 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 I know. Um, our, our our pal Chris Mack he wrote about this in sort of an article in terms of is Roman Reigns the next Lex Luger and he's reached this point where he's had the WrestleMania main event and he was pegged to be one of the greatest you know he's the next guy like he, after Cena he was going to be next but they mm-hmm. sort of cooled the Jets with him and they sort of pulled it back and now he's in he's in a mid card spot on SummerSlam he's doing great with what he's doing I honestly think he's probably one of the more improved wrestlers of the year period. Um, but where do they go? I don't see him them having immediate plans for strong plans for him going into WrestleMania 32, mm-hmm. just because they have to fill up 100,000 seats. I don't think they're going to risk the main event, including Roman Reigns, because mm-hmm. he's not fully developed yet as that you know elite tier upper echelon star. I think Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, Undertaker, they're all going to come into play at that WrestleMania. A lot of part-timers are going to come into play at that WrestleMania, but not so much Roman Reigns. So I and think I think that's the saddest shit. <laughs> but does that but does this being does this sort of period for him where it may move from, you know, now until after WrestleMania 32, does that sort of pull him back? Do they find someone else that they can invest in, like Seth Rollins or something, where he becomes the sort of major star, and now Roman Reigns was the guy who could have been? Instead- well, you know that you know with, with the Shield, they're they're always going to play the turning game right. because Ambrose is up, he's, he's up next as far as going to turn. I feel it. Yeah. Um, Seth, the, the other big program for for 32. I don't know if it's going to be Rock and Triple H. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Seth and Triple H. 
I, oh yeah, yeah, I see that coming. Yeah, and I see him pedigreeing Triple H. Oh yeah, funny. for booking him on all those no. hard ass matches. <laughs> no, and, and the thing, the thing about the take, the thing about the Taker thing is it goes two ways. Is that I think Taker comes out to to, to challenge for the belt, but I think that remember remember how Vicky set set Taker against Edge a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Right. I yeah. think the authority is going to do that to Seth, and that's going to set him off. They're right. going to turn on Seth. It's definitely been a recurring theme in terms of them him putting them putting him against you know John Cena and Randy Orton and you know um, Brock Lesnar and just. He was like, why are you doing this to me? I thought I was the face. I thought I was the next guy. Why are you continuing to put these? And I guess Triple H's, you know, word is like he's trying to validate his run. If he really wants to be the best, he'll beat all these guys. But And how about he, how about they they drop Seth, but maybe they endorse Kevin Owens? That would be huge. Kevin o- well, yeah, because Kevin Owens is huge. That would be huge. But, <laughs> yo, his, his moonsaults be having me weak. That would be huge if they they put the endorsement on Kevin Owens. How long? But the authority will last a long time if they keep just like picking up new NXT stars and just dropping him <laughs> and yeah. picking up and dropping. I can see the authority lasting a long time. But that I think that's. You, go ahead. Do you guys think it is funny that we're talking about SummerSlam like it's WrestleMania? Like has has it finally reached that point? I think I think it should have been that point for the Big Four all this time. It's like. How, like, Survivor Series and Royal Rumble, we both have, like, that one match that we look forward to. Like, even though, like, Survivor Series, like, the, the, the Survivor matches don't really have anything to do with, like, no, the progressing been, story. They've been watered down so much. They don't, they don't ever have anything to do with the progressing story anymore or anything like that. But um, it's just interesting because I feel like they should, those are the, those are the, those are the, like, the the pay-per-views that should generate the most buzz and have the most mm-hmm. people watching. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's more from a business standpoint that they just make more money having a huge summer pay-per-view. Just well, like Well, if you take it, if you take it as if you take it from the side of I'm sorry for interrupting you, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Ben. <laughs> but if you take it from let, let okay, let's say hypothetically, like in this this is like a WWE business plan if they like to make money. Let's say, okay, September's not a champion. I don't know if we'll get Taker set then. If we do, it'll be a screwy finish. Mm-hmm. But let's say October he wins the belt at Hell in a Cell. That's guaranteed buys network right. that month. Absolutely. Then November you have the rematch buys, and then you have a Brock match buys, and then you have a, then you have the Survivor Series match buys. It's or do you or do you say Brock for the for the Rumble? Because I, I feel like I. I and you know, don't hold me on this, but I've heard that we're going to be seeing those two a lot this fall. So don't we, we shouldn't worry about them being part time right now. Right. Oh well, I, I guess they added more dates to Brock, Brock's contract. Well, he, he of had course to more- they had to, they had yeah. to because now he's like really still part of a story. Yeah, so. he, he's a um. They they gave Brock a whole lot of money, and I mean, he clearly he agreed to do a lot a lot more date and a lot more pay per view. So who's he married to again? Sable. Sable. That's the Sable. funniest shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so interesting. But um, yo, do you think he fucks her on the bed of money? I I don't I don't know what he does. She looks rough. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disrespect that man's queen, but she looks rough now. She look rough now. I'm not going to disrespect that man's queen. Yeah, because she's gotta have sex with him. It's probably like fighting a war. The SummerSlam card, I don't know, it features a lot of tag matches, but it looks... Teddy Long booked it, I'll nigga. Say, <laughs> Teddy Long I'll say that, that very... I guess, I don't know, it may be the hype... More of the hype is for the NXT pay-per-view the day prior. 
Mm-hmm. I, think, uh, yes. I think that's what a lot of people are sort of looking towards for. Uh, and that's a stat card. That's a stat card that I see going over two hours too. They they just said that it's going to be two hours today on the site, but I think it's going to go over. There's so many matches on that card. There's so many match. Well, I don't. You think uh, <laughs> if one of them ends up good, like a squash match, is- a Samoa Joe Baron Corbin match will go the distance. That's going. That's going nine minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. I don't know. And then we have Bailey and Sasha Banks going at it. Uh, that's the Coleman event. That's the Coleman event, though. So. That's a, That's definitely one of the more – that I, has so much history in it that they can just, like, pull out of. So I'm interested yeah. in see what they do with that. Um, because um, Bailey and, and, and Sasha, like, Sasha's the main reason why Bailey, you know, uh, was having so many problems last year. So that's a story that goes – like, that's a great thing about NXT stories is that they're so contained, and these characters know each other, and they all have – stories that go on for months and months right and it, and it's bothered me i guess since um they came up to the main roster that they sort of i wouldn't say they totally even neglected it they haven't neglected the history in the past and the feuds and everything but they are definitely not the same characters but i think i'm interested in see how they will grow because this is just the first month this is mm-hmm. just the first month they've been here i don't want to you know do any i don't want to say anything too crazy because this is just introduction we have to build from this point but you know, mm-hmm. not seeing Charlotte as sort of you know, she's the tweener, but very very confident. She's a face, but she's very very confident, very very assured in mm-hmm. everything that she does. And mm-hmm. not seeing Sasha Banks now playing sort of um, she's I get, I don't know the cult. She's like in the background, but she's not really. She's not she, in terms of just presence. It shines, and I'm gonna get so much flack from from a certain somebody. I'm gonna, get, um, <laughs> but she flacks over it over Naomi in just some, in just terms of presence, mm-hmm. um, mm. and you know I think I honestly think I think Becky Lynch may be the dark horse in all of this. I think she may end up being sort of the Seth Rollins in the Shield. I think she has a lot of ability, and I think a lot of people can get behind that and her underdog story because Charlotte and Sasha Banks don't really have that sort of underdog story because they're both pretty dominant in what they do. But um, Becky Lynch does, and I think a lot of people will get behind that in sort of a similar Daniel Bryan fashion, maybe mm-hmm. a breakout star like uh, Seth Rollins, but more more in that sort of vein. I think Charlotte's a dud. I'm not. I'm just gonna be. I'm not even gonna lie. She's a dud to me. I think we see what they're doing with. I think they're positioning her towards the forefront. I don't know if that's because she's blonde and, you know, whatever, or <laughs> she's Ric Flair's daughter. But, oh, yeah, that's probably most likely but, why. She's on the, the tap-out ad and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, I think she, they're... She was, one of, she was one of the first NXT Divas that they were, like, actually um, promoting like that. But I, I don't think she's... I think she's really sloppy in the ring. Really? Oh. Well, yeah. Like, I think she's... Compared to Becky Lynch and compared to... Well, you think? Are you saying that compared to those other two, or just in general? Yeah, she. she I mean, she's definitely good. I, I think she, she, she's really, really smart. Like she needs to. She can't. How do I put it? She she can't uh, captain a match like Sasha can and Becky can and Bailey can. Like right. she needs to have a good partner. Look at her matches with Dana Brooke. They're horrible. Yes. But yes. but look at look at Sasha's not not Sasha, but look at Bailey's match with with Dana Brooke. It was pretty good. Right. Like it it, it exposed Charlotte in a lot of ways. And I, I'm not going to fully disagree, but I'm not going to fully agree with you saying that, that Sasha doesn't have a presence. 
I think she's gonna she's gonna turn on Naomi pretty soon. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it'll be her new nation of domination with Tamina as her heater because Eva Marie's already getting uh, Samoan as a heater, so she's gonna come up with her. Yes, but um, mm-hmm. but I definitely do think that Becky's being under underlooked and underrated because Becky was awful last year. Absolutely, but now she's, right. She's one of the greatest. Right. Um. Let's end here because. Uh, I have to go home. <laughs> oh yeah, it's crazy. Like this is a crazy long podcast. Yeah, I, even I have to go home. We, we oh, I think we've talked for more than an hour and thirty. Yeah, we've definitely talked for. This is probably one of the longer podcasts. But thanks for Sorry. coming on, bro. No, 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 no. Nah, we're grateful to have you. Yeah, you cut one of the best promos of all time. Best promos of all time. I'll send a bouquet of steel chairs <laughs> to your house. I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna get in trouble for that. But hey, it's just how it's. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no one really gets in trouble for shooting just unless you're <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> <laughs> it's a work. Uh, it's, a work. <laughs> it's a work. Anything you want to say? Just signing off. Uh, no, I just, you know, of course, follow me at OG Johnny Five on all social media. Um, and I just want to thank you guys for uh, inviting me. Oh man, no problem. We're grateful to oh, have and, you, son. And and I'm watching SmackDown, and I just realized that one of the Usos is on commentary. Yes, what? very very. It gives a very, very UPN flavor to SmackDown. <laughs> feels like Taz is on there again. <laughs> very, very oh, UPN feels flavor. Feels like Taz is on the announce team again. Nah, you ain't know the Parkers are coming up next, dog. Like, you know, <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> Come on, Playboy. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll end here. So uh, thanks, J5, for coming back Thank on you. again. Um, or for the first time, we'll have we'll definitely probably we'll probably have, have you again. again. Yeah, yeah, we'll have you an wait, episode. Wait, have, me, have me back after SummerSlam. We can talk about SummerSlam. We'll do. All Shit. right, sure. All right, all right. Let's let's do it. Um, signing off. Two belts podcast episode twenty three. Twenty three. All right. Later. All right.